Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, on this episode, Erson and I got into a discussion centered around really two stories, two things that happened to me, one being a success, the other one being a failure. The success, obviously, you listen to and you'll understand. The failure, though, is something that's more important because it happened and as it was happening, I knew better, and we talk about how to avoid situations uh, like the one that happened, and really everything that could happen because of it is, is what bothered me so much, and you, you'll understand a lot more once you hear about it. The other piece of this episode that we discuss is the dangers and really a dilemma that experts run into. As you become an expert, certain things start to happen, and it becomes a bit of a rabbit hole that is... Uh, it's a dilemma. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. And I, I hope that as you listen to it and in our discussion about this, you start to to kind of audit yourself, especially if you are, are an expert, if you're striving for mastery and greater understanding and control over what you do, that I hope you, t- you take a step back and see maybe you are starting to fall into, a, into this dilemma, not even know about it. So let's get into Therapy Insiders podcast. From Updoc Media. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Shirakabrad here with Dr. Erson Religioso. What's up, Erson? How's it going, Gene? Therapy going. Insiders Live, Ep 2. Yep, Episode 2 of the, the live um, format. <laughs> uh, had a good reception after last week's episode. It's good to be back. Good to hear the feedback from the episode again. The questions were great. Um, if, Even if, if I couldn't answer them or interpret them. <laughs> <laughs> That's details, details. Um, this week, uh, I want to I want to talk about two two instances, two examples that happened to me that I think are, are important to share. Uh, one was uh, a solid win. The other one was a, a giant slap in the face a bit based on my own kind of failure in the moment. So I want to cover those. And um, the other piece I want to talk about is uh, is a concept called the burden of knowledge and what happens to to really to experts as they gain more knowledge and really, really go towards mastery, which is, I think, what a lot of people want to do as you get better at whatever you're, you're doing. So I want to talk about I want to talk about those two and then that concept after. I get your your current level of excitement for the new Avengers movie. <laughs> My current level of excitement, I have shipped the Amazon Prime a, a full-on, like, Under Armour, skin-tight version of Captain America's uniform. You know, I don't... I don't I was going to order just like, you know, the the retro looking T-shirt with the round shield on it. But then when I saw, like, people who bought this also bought this, which is 
always great as a personalized suggestion. It looks just like his like shield updated version. And it's like, skin type probably won't look as good as me as it does on Chris Evans, but you know, I am, <laughs> I am ready. I, my, my brother is driving four hours just to see it with me on IMAX 2D Sunday night. So I'm staying off of social media. I know, uh, Gene, are you excited? I know that uh, you basically went down a spoiler rabbit hole on Reddit and couldn't stop yourself. So no spoilers today. Look, I, I, I yeah, I messed up a bit. Um, but yes, I, I, I know I read the comics, so I, I know what happens in the comics. Um, and, and Marvel is usually does a pretty good job of, of following what the comics say. They don't go too far out. Obviously there were some changes like in, um, like in civil war with uh, captain not getting killed, spoiler alert. But um, yeah, I, I, just, I wanted to know one thing, Erson. I wanted to know one. <laughs> Who's going to die? Is it Chris Evans or? I'm not going to say. Yeah, I'm not, I know. I know. No, well, no, I'm not so going to. Don't say anything. I would. No, 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 no. I, I would never do that. Uh, no, but I did. I went down the, I read an entire review that of somebody that saw it in Australia. There was a bunch of spoilers, um, essentially just spoiled the movie. But here's what I'm going to say, Erson. A lot of it does follow the comics. So it's not a huge spoiler, uh, but reading those spoilers made me want to see the movie even more than I did before seeing it. And maybe that's my personality that I, I, I'm more interested in the execution of it than like the shocking moments. And even, even seeing it is still going to be cool because I have a picture in my head of how I would do it and how I would visualize it as a filmmaker or how, how, how I think they would do it, but then to actually see it in action, I think it still has that wow effect. Sure. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited now knowing what to expect and what, what I expected that's not going to be in there. Cause I think it's going to take away a lot of potential disappointment of things that I was maybe thinking would be in there, but I found out aren't. So then I could just go in and going, I know exactly what to expect. I know exactly what I want to see and I'm really excited for it. And I think it's going to be cool. Unlike when I went to see the last Jedi and I was mostly disappointed. Ah, oh, you're in that camp. I, I love the last Jedi, but, uh, yeah, I know. I just hope it doesn't take you as long as it took you to see rogue one. <laughs> we'll be able to talk about this for like six months or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to go see it really, really soon. Um, but yeah, uh, look, I had no, I had no interest in Rogue One. Uh, oh, it's the best the worst movie ever. It's <laughs> no, I mean, one of the one of the only <laughs> redeeming qualities of Rogue One was the end Vader scene where the where where he just kills everyone. Uh, oh, it's dark. It's different. You don't know who's going to survive, unlike unlike other prequels. It's a problem with Solo too. Like, who's, I mean, the latest trailer. I'm I'm excited for it now, but he it's not an alternate timeline he's just gonna stay alive the whole time no i've I've no interest in solo like i i I, there's nothing about that movie interests me prequels in general i have very little interest for because i i we see the people where they're going right We, we know the end result and i feel like you as 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 an audience you get some of that creative internal processing taken away by them showing you exactly how it was. I want to imagine, Urson. Let me imagine Disney, for God's sake. Oh, you want to imagine? Meanwhile, are you one of those people who are like, what about Snoke's backstory? Oh, my gosh. Not everyone needed a backstory. I could care yeah. less about it. about Ray's parents? Hey, you know what? She's no one special, just like just like uh, Anakin wasn't anyone special. But but that's that's beside the point. That J.J. Abrams established 
strong narrative insights or hints that it's going to be something. Um, it, it's called falsifying the narrative when you set something up like that. And then uh, Ryan, what's his name, just goes, nope. Well, Every, you know, they gave, Ryan Johnson, they gave Ryan Johnson the new trilogy, not J.J. I know, but J.J. still directing the, yes. the last we'll see. one. We'll see. Maybe there'll be redemption for you. But it's it's the importance of telling a story and the importance of of words, which um, which kind of leads me into a, one of my two uh, two stories I want to share. Erson, um, I'm going to start off. Welcome uh, to Untold Physio Stories. This this is it. Really, is taking a, a little taste of that for this, but I, I think that they should be shared because they happened at recharge. Um, one was I'll start with the win because I think it speaks to physical therapy as a whole, which. Uh, I think it, it's it's a cool perspective. So uh, we talked about this a little bit last episode about recharge, that it's um, that it's a combination of fitness and physical therapy. We essentially act as a triage center for for our community. So if something musculoskeletal happens, they should see us first. So, so it becomes like an urgent care, becomes a trusted area that we can um, direct people where they need to go. So we ha- we had a, a patient, a former patient call and then our, our patients are our community members mostly. And um, so she calls and she's like, oh, I, I would like to have my, her child come in and um, I'm going to try to be as, as, uh, <clears throat> as kind of broad as possible, not to give away anything. Uh, so she's like, my, my child hurt themselves. Um, can they come in to see you? And I said, you know, what happened, blah, blah, blah. They, they fell and, Essentially, she wanted to rule out a fracture. And um, she's like, well, I, I, I can go to urgent care, but I trust you because you've seen me before. And I think I, I think you know what you're talking about. And, <laughs> <I'm crying. laughs> and can I come in? And she called. It was like 420 during in the evening. And she wanted to get in that same day. Now, if you're insurance-based, that, that's pretty much unheard of, right? Because you have to go through in authorizations. It, it's not impossible, obviously. It happens. Um, but so it happened to be at 5 o'clock, which is our break between classes. We have class of 4 and 6. We had a break that day. I asked Ryan if he could see him. And um, he said, yeah, absolutely. Have him come in. And she did. She, she brought her child in. And Ryan checked him out and had a thorough evaluation of what he wanted. She had a peace of mind, saved herself probably a few hundred dollars based on what she, you know, if she went to urgent care and spent, spent hours there waiting. And it, it, it was just an, another kind of little microscopic proof of the model where you had a call, you, you know, somebody came in because of trust, because of efficiency because of cost, like all these variables rolled into one, created the, uh, just a good experience where they can just come in within 40 minutes, get assessed and really have something that turned into like a musculoskeletal urgent care type of situation. So that, that was, that was really cool, Erson, to, to experience that. that. That was the win of that. Sounds good. I, uh, that's why I love cash PT. That's why I do cash PT. Yeah, so that, that that was that was big, um, and then on the flip side of that, um, ever story, the yeah the 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 dark side of of the light side. Um, so we we get people to call often, and you know the, the the when people don't understand the models, one of the first things they ask, and I'm sure any 
any out of network practitioner understands this is do you take my insurance? Because that's, that's what people are kind of trained to ask because if they have insurance, therefore they have coverage. And in, in, in the, in that narrative, they pay less, which is, we know is not the case. So we started talking and we're developing, I think a really awesome script here for, uh, for that question and then how to guide people through that call. And so we, so we got through the conversation and we offer a, a visit. We, we want people to come in because when people come in to recharge, we have pretty much a 99% success rate. Once they get to experience the experience. And uh, so I said, you know, just, are you available to, to drop in today so we can kind of chat a little bit more? And um, she's like, well, let, let me check. And then you, she, hold on. I got to pause. Are you talking about a discovery visit? You know, like some people call it. Essentially. Yeah. We, yeah. we just, we just need people to come in and, and have a face to face. So it, it's a better connection. And so she, she's like, well, you know, uh, stuff going on. Let me call you back later. And she did. She called back later. She's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be passing through. Can I stop by now? So I said, sure. Come on by. And uh, she came in, we, we sat down and, and started talking and it's just, I, everything that I teach and talk about <laughs> and all the best principles and about listening and everything that I know I did none of. It was just, it was just. It was okay. Just so, so, so let's role play that because I'm not sure how this went down. If yeah. I said, so you said on the phone, you don't take my insurance. What do you mean? Why, why wouldn't you take my insurance? Not even that, Arson. Okay. Okay. So, so you're, you're, you're Nancy. Okay? This, okay. this is not her name. We're just creating, creating personas. You're Nancy. And uh, so Nancy, come on in have a seat, Nancy. How, how are things, Nancy? Uh, well, really bad. Yeah. Your back's, your, your back's bothering you, right, Nancy? Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't even mention my back. Did yeah. I? Well, let, let's Nancy, your back's bothering you. Okay. Oh, my back. Um, yes. Just go is, ahead. Just go ahead. That, that's great. That's fantastic. Nancy, please stop talking now. Let me take over from now. Okay. Nancy, just go what ahead. Happened? This stop is how it. it went down. Stop it. Yes. Nancy, please stop talking. <laughs> let, let me spend the next 15 minutes. To be. Let me spend the next 15 <laughs> minutes just pain sciencing the shit out of you when you asked absolutely none of that <laughs> here for an experience. And I just absolutely just pain science, just textbook nonstop. And then after, uh, after I got to breathe after 15 minutes of nonstop talking, Nancy goes, you know, so you're saying, it's all in my head. You know, I don't agree with this, what you're saying right now, because, and then she just went on and explained about how she had shitty experiences with, with other clinicians and stuff with her family that other clinicians said that, you know, you just have to wait it out or that were missed with her family. And I'm just going there sitting there going, yep. Yep. I just did absolutely everything that I know not to do and how to, uh, it was just one of those moments in time where um, I think long term it was great. It was great to experience something like that as as a learning moment, right? Because I think it, once we get into this loop, but it was I was just sitting there listening to her, I'm going, uh, yeah, 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 it, yeah. <laughs> it was it was a train wreck that started happening as soon as my ass hit that chair and and hers, and. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just brutal. It was brutal. But looking back, it was, it was good to assess, but, um, Nancy did not come back. Nancy did not come back. Bad discovery visit. 
<laughs> the, the only thing she discovered is that I'm an asshole. That's what she discovered. Oh, you know, that's happened to me several times. And actually, we podcasted right after one of them. I don't know if you remember from like two or three years ago, we got on a podcast and I was just, I was so shaken up by how bad I was being screamed at for like 20 minutes by some guy who's very, very similar to your first scenario. He was calling around to all these PT places. He ended up even calling me twice without even realizing that he called me twice, asking me if he can get in. Can you, can you get me in tonight? Can you get me tonight? That's back when I still had later evening hours. Um, and I said, sure, I'll, I'll get you in. He's like, okay, I'll call you back. And, you know, he called, he called and asked me if he can get, if, if, uh, he can get me in or I can get him in. And I said, yeah, didn't have, I spoke with you today. And, you know, I decided to do it because he said he was an osteopathic school and oh, I thought, Hey, I remember you know, that. <laughs> and he's, a, he's a crossfitter and he hurt himself. He's hurt himself doing battle ropes. And, you know, this is back when I'm sure I had a baby. Uh, as many, many times every other year I have a newborn and I'm getting lack of sleep and my wife just wants me home. I schedule him like 6 p.m. He ends up showing up 645. Hmm. And I've said many, many times, even on an Untold Physio Stories podcast, my last patient is 10 minutes late. I usually lock up and, and leave because I just have places to be. And I think it's disrespectful, whatever, not even a phone call or a text these days. Uh, I just have no time for those type of people because in my experience you know one time is forgivable but on my one the one podcast someone was late like three times before they apologized and then the next time they called and said they were going to be late so i was like how late are you going to be so anyway this guy he comes in he doesn't fill out his paperwork and he takes another 15 minutes to fill out his paperwork in the bathroom or in the locker room i do the same thing very pain sciencey people usually say something about lumbar or x-ray or something i have a diatribe that i almost can't stop myself from saying mm -hmm. you know research x-rays no correlation between scans and pain this and that most people are into it i should be able to tell when they're not um he was kind of on and off so we get through the whole evaluation i find out that his shoulder pain is seems like it's very strongly influenced by cervical spine i give him cervical i treat cervical spine i do reset the shoulder motion is better he just pretty much stops me at the end and says look i don't care about the neck i just want your top three differential diagnoses for the shoulder i'm like look i don't you know i don't really care what your mri said this and that and i'm trying to tell him that people who get an mri and have manual therapy education and exercise people who don't get an mri and have the same exact program the people who get the mri end up doing worse he doesn't care about any of this and i said okay look if i had to make three educated guesses it would be rotator cuff tendinopathy a shoulder impingement whatever that is whatever that means to you as an osteopath in training and um i don't even know what my third one was you know cervical radiculopathy even though he didn't want to hear that uh, i give him exercises he leaves um the next day he calls me and i say hey look hey have you done your exercises big pause big pause he's like no no Erson, i haven't on my exercises and i'm like well why is that he's like because you are the worst physical therapist <laughs> i have ever been to i've been, I've been a, a lot of physical therapists in my time and you're a fraud urson you're a fraud he starts screaming at me dropping f-bombs my wife was across the room she could hear him as if he was in the room mm. you know and i was i was so taken aback you know, first I'm talking about, he's like, I don't care about research. It turns out that he had a very similar, what he, what he uh, explained as a similar 
research-based, evidence-based, um, you know, they told him his MRIs didn't matter, this and that, he ended up with lumbar fusions. Whatever. I didn't even know that because he didn't fill that out in his history that it took him like 15 minutes to fill out. And, you know, I just ended up refunding him and, and like hanging up. I had to hang up on him and I just refunded him. With that, and I, but I was so shaken up. I've never been yelled at like that before hmm. by anyone. Um, he was irate. And I can see why, yeah, if he had a similar kind of pain science or evidence-based experience, he ended up with surgery. I can see why he would have been mm-hmm. so upset. But um, I don't know if it could have gone any other way. I mean, it's not like he wasn't non-receptive to me and he was listening, but it happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, it, it it almost has to, right? Because, like you right. said, it was it was the script. It was, it was instead of stopping and breathing and asking questions and and guiding the conversation, it was she said what's wrong with her, and it at that time, the stuff that I was saying was with the intent of helping her to help her understand to help her get a sense of who we are. Um, I think your question was, well, well, what are we going to do here? And my thought process was, let me explain to her what she should prepare for, what, what it's going to be like, that pain is a construct, that it, it, it's a process, that it depends on a bunch of things, which turn into blah, 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 <laughs> research, blah, 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 blah. It's all in your head, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's what she heard. And uh, it, it was, it, it was, it was, it was, I think it was great in the long term again. It sucked in the interim. I felt bad for her because she had to go through that. Um, I didn't really feel bad for myself necessarily because I, I, again, I, at this point, I'm kind of trained myself to experience those moments a little bit differently. I was like, oh, okay, this, this is, this is a novel situation right now, right? This is a novel input in the context of experience. And um, I think it's going to help long-term as, as a business owner, as a clinician, but I really felt bad for her because I, I truly believe that we could help her and we could help her better than others. Cause I, I was telling, her, I remember I said, you know, on, on average, we see people for like three to five visits at recharge. We don't really see patients beyond that. And just, just the way we're, we're structured and built the first three visits, it's going to be really a, a kind of an escalation a build up to get better. And then we, we help kind of teach you how to take ownership of that and, and, and really sustain that. Um, and again, by the time I got to that point, she was gone. There, there was no hearing that. And the three, she, what she heard was the three visits that we see her for is that we're pushing a quick fix. She's like, well, what if, what if I'm not better in three visits? You know, I, I've heard there, I've heard the quick fixes before from other clinicians. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's not a quick fix. And, but at that point, again, I'm, I'm, fighting a losing battle because right. of the start, the start was just completely off. Um, but now I know it, it's, it's, it's made me a lot more aware of that, of that conversation, which I usually am, but for some reason it was, um, it just happened. Right. I mean, that could have went, she could have been super receptive and it could have been a huge win, you know, and, and they usually so, are, they usually are, yeah. but it's, it's, it's all about that initial <laughs> interaction of instead of me going on a diatribe, you know, scholarly explanation of, of pain science and what pain is. Um, it's, it's usually a lot more conversational and back and forth. Uh, but it wasn't for some reason at that moment, it wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> then re- result justified my performance. Right. Well, what's one of the definitions of an expert, they recognize 
patterns, but they also learn from their mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, that's that's the point I really want to talk about, Erson. That was my segue. Show. I'm not as good at segues that, as you. That, that, was, that was a clutch segue, buddy. Um, th- this is something that that's really important that we've talked about in our Facebook groups, and I've tweeted about it a little bit that uh, I think experts need to really understand this. And this, this is the concept of burden of knowledge that the more, more expertise you have, the more experience you gain, you start to live in the world of nuance versus the world of, of global thought. So think of it, think of it this way, Urson. it's um, most people live in a yes and no world. Most people live in a, you ask a question that's a yes and no question Experts live in a it depends world and in, in that nuance of the yes and no. As as you get more seniority, as you have more time under whatever experience or whatever profession you're in, for professional growth, you start to focus in on nuance. You start to focus in on specificity because to live in global terms is that there's no growth in that, right? There's no professional growth in constantly being a globalist and not trying to get into nuance. The, the dichotomy here happens is that as you become more of an expert and you seek more nuance for your professional growth, your ability to connect on a global scale gets worse because you start to know and think differently and the ability to, to resonate and connect with your audience who do not speak like that becomes a very difficult chore. Um, so you always have to have the ability to come back and connect with, with the global audience. And here, here's the real kicker here. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. This is like something I've been struggling with for many years. <laughs> yeah. But there, there's, there's two, there's two pieces here. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a width and there's a depth. There's a width of knowledge where you resuscitate information, which we see all the time at this point, because there's, there's such a, a huge information asymmetry that Dan Pink talks about. But the kicker here is that the people that have the width of information, the superficial experts, they have just enough information to connect with the audience because they're not experts, but they come off as somebody that knows more than the person seeking that information. And they're better at connecting with a mass audience because they don't live in the weeds they're passing along information that they probably learned from an expert or or saw somewhere. And then they do a better job of connecting with the mass audience than the actual experts that have the depth of knowledge, right? This, this is the fight. This is the struggle that we're going through right now that a lot of clinicians are are bitching and moaning about, well, this person, who are they? Like they, they don't have any expert degrees or, or experience or anything else, but they have a huge following. They have so much people They have so much leverage because they take, they skim the information just enough, but they still are able to connect with the mass audience. This is, this is a big, big problem for experts because they need to be able to look back at those people and say, what are they doing to connect? How are they using this information? Instead of saying, oh, they're, that's not accurate. That's not science-based. Learn, learn how to connect with that mass audience. Learn from those people instead of just always bashing them right. or ignoring them. Use that for your information. So use the nuance and bring it from a, it depends question to answer a better way, the yes and no question and connect with that audience. So that's my little, my little thoughts on, on this whole mastery and, and nuance stuff first. Yeah. I think everyone wants to 
master whatever it is they're trying to do better manual therapist better strength coach better fitness and you know the more you master something it becomes second nature to you i think it it it's difficult to relate back to basics and even when i started teaching i started teaching manual therapy courses as soon as i graduated like the first year i was already teaching con ed courses for the local schools and within five years i was like part of a couple fellowship programs and I, you know i felt self-proclaimed expert before all the experience came and it's funny because you know you just want to further and further and further yourself and we you and i talk about this the first so many years of your career when you devote yourself to being a great manual therapist for example uh, you think you know it all, and it's funny because when you start to get into nuance and mastery, you realize you don't know it all, and there's actually more, uh, the more of an expert you become, the more there's more uncertainty. Uh, and I, I talk about this a lot. My struggle is, one, trying to remember where any of my seminar or uh, mentees are in their career, whether they're a new grad, fresh PT, or even 10 years out, what do they know compared to what I know? Uh, and really, what, what am I trying to do with them? I think I've, I used to te teach very traditionally, very technique based, like, hey, this is how you assess a shoulder, this is how you treat a shoulder. And now I'm just trying to treat, teach patterns, because I realized many, uh, probably about six, seven years ago that I couldn't teach you know, everyone is teaching the same types of courses. It's like, this is how you assess and treat. This is exactly what you should do. These are the assessments. These are the treatments. And these are the exercises. Versus what I try to teach now is, this is what I've learned from various people. These are the patterns that I've come to see as an expert. And these patterns, as a result, are always changing. I mean, you've taken my course a couple years apart. They're, they should be a little different. You know, I don't want to teach the same thing year to year to year to year. So I try to teach people patterns because one of the things that, that uh, re research shows about experts versus non-experts in whatever field is pattern recognition. So the only thing that I could teach you, I can't teach you my experience. I can't give you 20 years of mistakes and how I adapted from them. But what I can tell you is if you see a neck, if you see a foot, if you see a hip, whatever the complaint is, look at these things if you see these patterns, try these things. And if you don't see the patterns, then do whatever it is you were going to do. Because, yeah. we all, because we're all experts in a way uh, of our field. And I'm not trying to turn you into me. And I think that's what many commercial models try to do. They try to, and many instructors try to do. They just try to turn you exactly into them. And you can't, you can't be them. Oh, for know? sure. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. Um, how people teach themselves and adjust and adapt versus just copy but that's that's the whole depth versus width conversation as well now let's finish it out we had a question come in from care connections you talk about successful exchanges being a back and forth what questions do you find work best to start your conversations with a prospective patient uh, that's a good question it, it's for me it's not necessarily what questions but what type of questions and those are open-ended what and how questions usually work best. This is for pretty much for any conversation. This is a intro conversation or even a negotiation. Open-ended what, how questions really do a good job of steering the conversation, um, but being in control of it, but still letting the person kind of guide within your, your narrative that you're pushing. So how are you doing? What brings you in? And then along, again, 
broad, open-ended, then you can start to narrow in that question and then start to widen out again when you need to, when you need to kind of open it up for, um, or, or, or to redirect a bit. What about yours? Well, I, I, uh, I've done this many different ways and I, you know, for the first good 10 years of my career, it was, a, it was very much a one-sided conversation. I had, it was a big struggle for me, even though I was asking them questions about them, they were close-ended and I didn't ask a lot of open-ended questions. So I always start off with just how are you today? Other than the reason for why you're here, you know, cause most people are mm-hmm. like, my back hurts, you know? And I'm like, no, because they're not even, they don't even, they're not even hearing what you said. You're actually generally interested in them as a person as opposed to what they're here for you know and i'm like no other the reason for why you're here and that's almost i could even tell almost how the exchange is going to go because if they're like oh great but my back hurts or like oh i had one woman say like my son's in jail and you know she starts crying and i just think you know got a box of tissues and then rescheduled the visit because that's probably not a good time to see that person um but yeah i think open-ended questions is good I think also if you have a certain way of explaining things like Gene and I are, are very much into pain science and I, I try to be very fluid with that. I say you can't force, you know, the, the square uh, block into the round hole. I Every time someone schedules with me online, I have via an autoresponder, I'm like, hey, here's some videos that I think you should watch, videos that I've made to kind of explain pain science and the things I'm going to go over with. Here's Greg Lehman's excellent recovery strategies book, which is the book that I would have written if I had like 10 years to write it. And I was as evidence-based as new as much research in the back of my head as Greg did. Um, you know, I, I think like prefacing before you come in so it's not brand new and giving them a little homework so I can just say, other than, you know, how, how are you doing today? Get that out of the way. Did you read the book? What did you think about that? How, what, what do you think? What do you think of that, that in relation to your shoulder, your back or whatever you're here for? Um, I, I find that that helps break the ice a little bit because they already know a little bit about what you're, you're, where you're coming from. Uh, and then you can still, it can still be back and forth. And I think it also helps when you are done explaining, as long as it's back and forth, just to say, do you have any questions? Do you have any questions about anything? I, I try to ask that regularly because people just, as she knows, it's easy to go on a diatribe. <laughs> I know all too well. Look, <laughs> Harrison, don't get me wrong. I still love me a good soapbox. It's just yeah. you, you have to have it set up at a point where the person is looking up at you ready for a soapbox versus when they're skimming and looking around and they have no idea right. what a soapbox is. You just look like somebody spitting at them and talking too loudly. So Great. it's knowing when to set up your soapboxes that that's, that's the important piece. Yeah. All right. So thanks for tuning in episode two in the books. Again, follow us on subscribe uh, on iTunes at Google play. If you like more of a traditional uh, podcast, kind of what we've been doing, obviously if you, if you're watching, if you're watching live, think about liking our Facebook page at UpDoc media at modern manual therapy, we'll be live streaming and wherever you find us, Check in on Twitter at Therapy Insiders at the OMPT. If you have any questions, for the love of God, please don't email us, uh, tweet at us, or shoot us a Facebook message. I don't mind the emails. I actually respond to them a little bit easier than on the social media. So yeah, yeah, I'm still I'm still lumping you in with me because all right. together yeah. we are stronger. Um, all right, so thanks for tuning in, Urson. Enjoy Avengers. Uh, I will. We can we can talk about it because I know Spoiler the spoilers coming. Yeah, so we, we can at least chat about it before I see it. So um, that, that'll be good. But hope everyone enjoyed the episode. If Again, if you're watching on Facebook and you have some questions after you watch the replay, uh, shoot us a comment down below. We'll come back and check on it, whichever page you're on. 
and uh, just keep a conversation going. Let us know your thoughts on the debate about or discussion about experts and nuance, um, how you will, where you're even doing it. Is, is burden of knowledge a challenge for you? And have you had similar situations like I did where you just derailed a conversation because you just essentially blindsided and burned the face off somebody by nonstop talking. So look forward to hearing from you. And thanks again for tuning in to Therapy Insiders Podcast.